0: Hey hey! Welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says.
1: A bunch of sinners. <laughs>
0: oh, is it time for confession already? Do you
1: accept the mushroom as your Lord and Savior? If you say I should, You'll burn <laughs> in hell otherwise. Oh gosh! <laughs> oh, this the is actually cool. Eric Osborne and Courtney Rose. We are not crazy, dogmatic, psychedelic, spiritual gurus we are regular old people who started a psychedelic church like regular people do isn't that what cult leaders that sounds like something a cult
0: leader would say i'm just saying i am hey, open to you know if that's what i am and i find that out then i will be open to hearing no, that and you changing. can't be
1: a cult you can't leave you can't leave a cult you're it's like they won't let you leave you can leave sanctuary. Any fucking time you want to. I don't give a shit. There's, yeah. a, there's been people that have left. There's been people that we've asked to leave. There's been people that we've asked to stay. There's been, people, whatever. It's, it is a community of faith centered around mushrooms that have been historically regarded as sacred for millennia. And that's what we're talking about in, the, in this episode today is, oh, the outfall of religious trauma. Ugh. Oh, man. I, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm coming out of the Catholic Church for years and years and years, still processing a lot of trauma. We know that a lot of people see sanctuary; they're curious about it, and they think, uh, "Church, hard no." We just want people to understand that it's not your grandpa's church. Oh gosh, no! I even yeah, we even talk about it with <laughs> your our grandpa. grandparents here. <laughs> I didn't mention in the in the episode that my grandmother, like months before she died, she told me eric you'll always be catholic <laughs> that's a fucking cult yeah sure Cause grandma because <laughs> like, i'm
0: pretty sure i'm not right I'll now i love
1: you grandma but no
0: yeah so this is a really important conversation to have where we're at as a society mm-hmm. in our spirituality and where we're at just being ultra sensitive to bullshit and mm-hmm. craving authenticity yes. like we're Pretty much all of us are, like, even if we won't admit it. So, yeah, we dive into that in this episode. Kind of touch on Sanctuary's minister programs because that's kind of what had us talk about this whole topic of what is a minister and, like, the perceptions around church terminology and how are we reframing that, redefining it, mm-hmm. reclaiming, reclaiming that, yeah. those terms. So sure hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, please know there's a video of us out there talking about this. So you can go to YouTube. That's uh, psilocybin says, and check out the podcast there make sure to like the video. If you like it, it sure does help us Helps people find the video. If you like it, subscribe, if you really like us, and uh that way you'll be notified when we put new videos out leave us a review and let us know there what you think for god's sake (laughs) you
1: will be granted access to the eternal pearly gates of mushroom heaven if you will but leave us a five-star review with commentary
0: that's right at least in the psilocybin says reality yeah the pearly gates (laughs) await you so hope you enjoy So, when I meet a minister on the street, like, just imagine Courtney's walking down the street, and I'm like, I bump into somebody, and like, oh, hey, what's your name? What do you do? And they're like, I'm Billy Bob.
1: (laughs) Oh, we're still with Billy Bob, (laughs) eh? Billy Bob's still with us. All right.
0: And uh, I'm a minister. I feel like my first reaction would be to figure out how to get away as quickly as possible. <laughs> like, great. Now, the next thing you're going to tell me is that I'm not living right and I need to change my ways, my sinning ways. And I just don't want to have a conversation
1: like that. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like catcalling, you know, like catcalling yeah. has never worked it's never worked and yet guys still do it and judging and condemning someone has never been a way to win them over and yet it's still so frequently practiced
0: I suppose judging them condemning them and threatening them with death (laughs) has kind of worked
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah. Well, damnation, worse than death. It's after you die; it's still gonna suck.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Both of those things. But I mean, like during the, you know, crusades, like that was. Oh, yeah, that. Actually, murder yeah. was like you're gonna practice the religion we practice and do what we say, or like you're we're gonna kill you.
1: Look, it is totally understandable why the vast majority of modern America has GTF owed the church. You know, I mean, it's like you look back at historically what religions have done, and it's appalling that it's even spoken of in the same context as a spiritual organization, that, that we can justify slaughtering millions of people in the name of, quote, God.
0: Is that something that the Catholic Church, like, as of today, has, like, acknowledged? <laughs> 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 like, have they made any statements uh, through uh, that bloody past of theirs,
1: or... Yeah, I'm sure they said sorry somewhere along the line. Uh, you know? Oh, yeah,
0: sorry. Like, we'll try and... That we'll should have happened
1: 500 years ago. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, we probably not do that
0: again. are but... still
1: not safe. Yeah. But, you know, at least we're not killing entire populations. <laughs> no, it, it's atrocious. But it's not just the Catholic Church. It's, it's across the board. Um, I think ultimately it comes down to the abuse of power, right? And... Religious spiritual authorities, uh, you know, error quotes, authorities have claimed this uh, proprietary over someone's eternal self. It's a fucking lie. There's no, there is no way, point blank, period, amen, that any single organization or leader has any authority over my eternal self. And it is absolutely baffling to me that in mass we have bought into that.
0: It is baffling. It's very, it's, it's baffling. It's interesting that we, that we can lose that awareness, that consciousness, Uh. So quickly, like, I mean, we come into this world and we're just kind of believing whatever we're told and whatever's going on around us. We're just kind of absorbing it and doing it. And at the same time, like, we are sovereign beings. Like, we're all. we're, we're, We're oftentimes not aware of that, that we are. Like, inherently, like, free beings. No, I think most of the time we're not aware of that. Right. Which is what it seems to come down to. Like, if you're going to believe that you're this God, this being is like controlling you and has the ability to damn you forever, Mm -hmm. uh, you're clearly not remembering that.
1: No, I don't think the same same goes for allegiance to a particular. Uh, political affiliation or, I don't know, any type of group that is able to, you know, put a dogma down that says if you go against these rules, then you're no longer one of us, which is a basic inherent human need is to be a part of a group. And so social ostracization is one of the, uh, most readily available high performing tactics to prevent individuals from behaving independently.
0: I remember being in the mushroom space for like the one of the first handfuls of times and feeling that that social that terror that because of showing who I am, I'm going to be ostracized, like that the people that I'm with mm. are no longer going to want me mm-hmm. if I'm truly me. Mm. And um,
1: You mean that, the people in the mushroom? The, yeah, obsession? the people okay.
0: in the mushroom space with okay. me. Mm-hmm. And like that's the worst. I think that is like the worst feeling that comes up for me. In the mushroom space when it does come up mm-hmm. is is that i cannot be me mm-hmm. for some reason mm-hmm. like it's that paradigm just blasting mm-hmm. in my face mm-hmm. um and there's nothing probably more gratifying than getting like realizing that's a hoax like that's a lie mm-hmm. something that i believe that's not
1: true well and if someone is incapable of accepting you for as you are that's really a reflection of their own judgment on themselves more than it is on you. You know, which I think is a valuable perspective to take into this. But it's still something that comes up for me plenty of times, particularly when I'm like facilitating for other people. You know, uh, now there's also the in that role. You know, getting weird gives permission to others to get weird as well. So you know, I kind of play with that, um, but. Many times when I have taken mushrooms with people and I'm not necessarily there to be a support, I'm just part of the group, Uh, that comes up for me as well, you know, am I going to get too weird? I'll get weird quick.
0: Right. Which I'm grateful for.
1: Well, and maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, a benefit that I bring just to the founding of this organization, you know, we've talked a lot about how do we prevent sanctuary from becoming dogmatic? How do we prevent sanctuary from becoming a cult of personality? You know, and and thinking even in terms of after we're gone, you know, in the desire to have an organization that can outlive us. uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, getting weird is, that is such a vague term. Uh, Because there's weirdness that's like um not only uncomfortable but like inappropriate, and yeah. then there's like weirdness that is True. welcoming but and I, you know
1: like that's that's a slippery slope because when I'm working yeah. with people and someone like God I one of the weirdest things I ever witnessed was a seventy five year old man that attempted to suck his own cock for a uh, forty five minutes right and like <laughs> <laughs> he was like it's completely so, naked that's a good point point. <laughs> and trying to give himself a blowjob it is it, and and talking about his addiction to porn at the same time mm-hmm. it was a very and, and I felt like it was a great honor to be there and to not be uncomfortable and mm-hmm. to allow it to just be what it was to just be there as a support in case he you know went too far which there were multiple times that I had to prevent him from you know harming himself um Accidentally, about, like rolling on cactuses and shit like that. But, um,
0: sure. But I, I was really, and I'm glad you are clarifying that. It's like a really good topic to talk about is just that whole thing of like, inappropriateness quote unquote and weirdness in mm. the mushroom space i was really referring to though as a leader uh, like a whole a space holder yeah getting weird yeah. Oh, yeah, and like yeah. the spectrum of that for sure uh is very different than <laughs> for somebody <laughs> you're holding space for that's like deep in it for in sure. the mushroom space so just to clarify that um yeah
1: no i definitely restrain myself but you know like hugging trees Or, um, I don't know. There's several, like I could think of specifics that I have done knowing that it was going to be perceived as a little weird, but also that it was going to give people permission to go beyond that boundary.
0: Bodying the spirit of a bird.
1: Yeah, I've done some.
0: <laughs> I've that's been, that's a common a, one for I've you, I would say.
1: I forgot. Yep, I've been a <laughs> bird. I've often
0: been a bird. I, I have many memories of you.
1: I've done a lot of purging. I've done a lot of purging in front of people so that they know that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Um,
0: so, all right. So, back to meeting a minister on the street.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What if, like, what if you were walking down the street? Or let's say in like a coffee shop,
1: and more likely to talk. have a conversation. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, in a coffee shop, when you meet somebody and they're like, "Oh yeah, hey, I'm a, I'm a mushroom minister, or I'm a psychedelic minister."
1: Oh, uh, you know, then um, what? I'm, I'm uh, honest to God. Up, honest to God, I would have my own reservations. I would be like, "Oh yeah, you are. Are, are you now?" <laughs> yeah. I
0: guess. It, well, not, you for know. you personally. Being no, I mean, so deep in the psychedelic yeah, space,
1: that's understandable. No, I don't think it's that much different for me than it would be for anybody else. I think that um, we all have inherent stigmas in us. Um, the the um, concern or question of whether or not it is culty would come up for me immediately will be without a doubt. Um Honest to God, the majority, the vast majority of people who I have met that have been self-proclaimed shamans or healers or all that are, um, you know, not exactly what I would consider the epitome of a stable, grounded person. Um, so I would have some questions there. It would be very dependent on how the individual holistically presented themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh so I want to say that I would be open-minded but and I, and I think I would be to to an extent as I am to the extent that I am with pretty much everybody. I'm an inherent skeptic. I'm from from go. I'm just pretty skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um I take people at face value but I am usually skeptical about uh just to say it, like I'm, I'm usually skeptical about people's depth of experience, especially in something like psychedelics or kind of otherworldly metaphysical kind of stuff, because the, the majority of people I feel like who proclaim themselves to be a thing are have just dipped their toe in and have kind of taken on this identity. So I'm acknowledging that would be I would mm-hmm. be very skeptical. And I would probably stereotype the person. Hopefully, I would quickly check myself. And if they were, you know, able to maintain a coherent conversation and they felt authentic and I didn't get the EBGBs or whatever, uh, then I think I would probably begin to be more curious. The same, though, really is—and I'll just finish up this here— if someone tells me that they're a minister, like a, just a Christian minister, I'm usually like my initial response is, oh, you're a judgmental, you know, whatever. Uh, right. But then if I talk to them and I can feel that they are actually like very caring and sincere
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and not trying to tell me how to live my life from go, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think differently about it.
0: Yeah. This is such a great topic of conversation because like before this episode when we were talking before we started recording we were talking about what we what we were going to talk about um and touching on the topic of dogma and how like i was referencing for me that's been something that's been a major turnoff in getting involved with faith organizations Mm -hmm. um and i as I was talking through it, I was saying like, well, it's hard for me to see Sanctuary is really ever going there and being dogmatic just because of how we're starting. However, just this short conversation, I'm realizing like I have a lot of judgments yeah. towards groups of people. Um, like, yes, the minister thing, like Christian ministers um that's like pretty triggering for me i know for a lot of other people like i just i you know how how many of us have seen the dude on the soapbox just like Mm -hmm. going at it on college campus or wherever the hell they are and however through sanctuary meeting ministers from christian backgrounds who are cool as can be and really open-minded and interested in approaching things differently and getting a different perspective on the bigger picture has been really cool and surprising Mm -hmm. to me. And that's something I want to be more open-minded about is like actively welcoming those people in. Um, Because like I got the same thing with doctors. Like I meet a doctor and I'm like, like, what are you going to tell me to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I don't want to do or I don't agree with? Because that's happened so much in my life, but not each one of us is created equal
1: Mm -hmm. and that's where psychedelics are in such an interesting space because on the um you know the clinical side there is that same maybe even more potential for dogma and on the religious side you know that exists as well Mm -hmm. but psychedelics fit particularly psilocybin i believe fits so neatly right in the middle, um, that it provides an opportunity for both disciplines to come together and come together with a different approach. There will be both psychedelic religions and um, clinical practices that have a our way or the highway approach as this matures, because of my own maturity and growth in psilocybin space, I believe that it's eventually the majority will move towards the center. Because if you are practicing with the mushroom, then you will learn relatively quickly that you ain't got it all figured out. (laughs) Yeah. My question there is, or my, my suspicion, however, I should say, is that the... Religious organizations that the administrators of those organizations are, will be much more likely to actually participate in, you know, consumption of the sacrament. Whereas the majority, I feel like it's likely that the majority of clinicians will not actually take the substance themselves. And so we may see a little more rapid evolution in psychedelic, religious practice than we do in clinical practice.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Coming from the model of like the models are inherently so different, like traditionally with uh, mushroom practice, the person administering is oftentimes uh, consuming, consuming, Mm -hmm. communing as well to be on that same energetic space. But like therapists or clinicians, not therapists, but like psychiatrists and people that, Prescribe medication or like usually not taking it <laughs> along right. with their client or patient. Which so. I think that
1: is another reason that the, the masses themselves will also gravitate towards the religious use model because you want to know mm-hmm. that you're working with someone who knows what they're working with.
0: Totally. And you're going to
1: see that much more prevalently in the spiritual communities. And there's also just the reality that the research has already shown, thank you, Roland Griffiths, That particularly psilocybin is inherently a mystical experience. That was in two thousand and six. That was the first study done that psilocybin can reliably induce a classic mystical experience. It is a sacrament by nature of its function. You know, Uh, so I think that once we get over this hurdle of, um, you know, the religious baggage that we're going to see a pretty drastic shift towards religious use. So
0: we've gotten this question often in the group discovery calls, uh, which is part of the membership process with Sanctuary, opportunity for people to ask all their questions or as many as they can fit in in an hour. (laughs) Um, This question of why on earth are you all using these like classic stigmatized religious terms like cleric, minister, church like cuz people say like i was definitely rubbed a little wrong when i saw that because i have that trauma mm-hmm. with a religion and um oftentimes it's catholicism um and like christianity of different sorts um but so like could could you talk a little bit about that like our choosing of the term minister mm-hmm. um, when it comes to our n- new programs and no, just the we, way, way we've we done things. Comu- yeah,
1: Communicate everything that we are. Yeah, I think there's kind of two sides to that coin. One is the obvious, this is the legally accepted language of a religious organization. And while we don't believe that to be a Recognized faith practice or spiritual practice that there has to be a certain language used. Uh, we recognize that we function within a society that does you know, require that. Uh, so, but that doesn't mean that it's a, that doesn't mean that it's just a workaround either. Because what I have found is someone who was very turned off by the word church, very turned off by the word God. Oh, like man, I used to cringe when I heard the word God. And now, like I was having a conversation with a therapist yesterday, who was a kind of a religiously trained therapist. And when he said God, I found myself thinking like, yeah, feeling like good inside. And it has been really rewarding and powerful to reclaim that language Mm
0: -hmm. that when
1: I was a child was so powerful and so meaningful to me. I, I had a deep love for God. As a kid. I understood that as a love for nature and a love for community and now I understand it as a love for existence, for consciousness, for exploration. But it's uh it's really wonderful. And honest honestly, it's the language that we have in the West that most closely fits with within my experience. I mean there's like multiple Mushroom experiences where you know it felt like God mm-hmm. was talking to me, mm-hmm. you know. So I find yeah. it valuable in terms of like the things like minister and cleric and all that kind of stuff. Minister was a little more challenging for me until someone one day said, You, you, or someone was talking about their grandpa being a minister. And how they used to be as a kid. They were maybe it was Athena talking about how they were like always felt proud to when that when they told people that their grandpa was a minister. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, "Ooh, my grandkids will be able to say that their granddad was a psychedelic minister." I fucking dig it. I'll I, take that.
0: One of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. Using uh, that terminology.
1: Yeah. And really, you know, as I've been meeting and working with other. Retired ministers or or former ministers and reflecting on the work that I've done, not just in Jamaica, but back when I was working in the restaurants and I was, you know, spreading the good news of the mushroom and trying to just gently help people come towards this thing and trying to provide encouragement and just be a caring ear, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I have come to understand that, really, I've always been, you know, ministering to my community. You're distracted I'm, on your phone there. I'm. Lo-
0: <laughs> I was looking at the term minister. Just curious about what Webster says yeah, about I've that. Yeah, I looked this up
1: multiple times. You can read it if you want to.
0: Um. So, one who is authorized to perform religious functions in a this says Christian church, especially a Protestant church, but there's also terms like prime minister,
1: <laughs> yeah. There, yeah Yeah.
0: You know, that's a part of administering yeah exactly sacrament. That's, how, that's
1: what I ultimately bring it down to is administering the sacrament um and then. You know, when you think of when I think of ministering to the populace, it's really trying to just be a a word of encouragement to remind people that we are much more than just our bodies.
0: Yeah, for for me, um with our new minister <laughs> ordination programs, which are each designed to like perform different functions. Um, I'm seeing the term minister as more of an empowering um, an empowering title like one that's like I see a minister in these capacities as being someone who's like spreading like helping empower others like instead of trying to put others in a box, which is how I've previously experienced the term minister. Um, And in this light, under this umbrella, yeah, I'm seeing it as more of like a, kind of like a a coach, like, but has a coach that is legit, (laughs) that has experience, um, enough experience to perform that specific level of function for that minister. Um so yeah, it's interesting, like it's the whole experience of reclaiming these terms has been a really interesting experience
1: for me personally,
0: not being somebody who's participated really in church uh my whole life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, what hit me in this whole reclamation process was that we in me being the minister of sanctuary we were, in many ways, inadvertently perpetuating the same perspective that has been associated with typical ministry. You know, you have to come to me to get access to this sacrament, and and that's the antithesis mm-hmm. of what I want to bring into this movement. Period. Amen. Uh, there, you know, disclaimer: there will always be people who need a therapist or a clinician for this work, there are individuals who need real, real care and attention during the process, after the process, before the process, and and that's really important to note. Not just saying that, you know, across the board, everybody should just be taking mushrooms on their own. But the vast majority of people out there, the vast majority of people out there, especially with a little bit of education, a little bit of harm reduction, can slowly move into their own personal experiences you know graduating the dose as time goes on and keep it very safe and be their own minister you know again that's the problem i feel like one of the big problems with traditional church is that you've got to go to the guy to be your access point Mm -hmm. right I, i don't want any part of that and so I have a lot of confidence, at least while we're here and managing the, the, the show as Sanctuary, that it will not become a stagnant, dogmatic organization. We've already seen so many areas where we can improve and we have made those improvements um, where we can open up access and give people their own authority. Mm-hmm. Now, that's what this is really all about.
0: Yeah. And to clarify for us and people listening, like the intention all along has been to keep, not only keep people safe uh, in the way that we have previously done things, not only here with Sanctuary, but in Jamaica, uh, the whole idea was to provide a space that's safe and supported um, for anybody who wanted to, have that sacrament experience uh, experience with the mushrooms and so this new evolution of sanctuary I think is like founded in um for me I feel like a a personal liberation like a personal understanding that I I trust myself more now than I ever have Mm -hmm. and trusting that with with support like with assisting and providing that support for people being a leader in that way and like let's form more support more access and like set people free to trust themselves because Mm -hmm. there's that sweet spot of like when we trust ourselves and trust the process and others do as well that are close to us then there is less Risk. There's less oh, yeah. chance of things going awry because sure. there's that energy of trust and mm-hmm. trust in the process. For sure. So yeah, that's a pretty big shift.
1: Um, I mean, even in Jamaica, though, I used to say <clears> to people like, "I don't want you feeling like you're dependent on me. You come here when when people came to me to work with mushrooms in Jamaica, I would always say like, my goal is for you to gain." comfort with the medicine so that you go home and continue working i I do we do not need more codependency if you want to come back and engage in our community and you want to spend money here in our community and support this you know on that level amen thank you it is welcomed you know i love 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 having people that continue to come back into the physical community and and help build it at that level but it's always been for me about, because that's how I started. I didn't have anybody teaching me, and I would have benefited from that, and I want to be able to share my knowledge, but I still would never want to be beholden to someone else and have to practice and do all the things that they do and all the way that, that usually, you know, tends to go.
0: Right, and it's just not realistic. Like, I mean, for for us at this point as an organization, like our members are in 40-plus states, like— There's no feasible way that if they even if everybody wanted to always have another minister and cleric or other people, other members present with them, it's just not the way it is Mm. right now. So even just like that point alone that we were realizing that so many people were like kind of feeling like they were jumping off a cliff, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ah, well, like I'm to the point of like, I'm not waiting any longer. And Mm -hmm. I cannot realistically get to Kentucky. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to eat mushrooms tonight and I know I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I wish there was like more of a process and a setup for me. And so it feels really good to be able to take people through that and allow people to like work out all of the fears and all Mm -hmm. of the questions Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm stuff for a duration of time before they actually eat mushrooms. I mean,
1: look. Big dose. Look, The psychedelic experience is one of the most personal, private, sacred, unspeakable experiences that anyone can have. Nobody else can tell you what that's about. Nobody else should be trying to tell you how to do it to to let it be on its own and the fact is the vast majority of people do not need any intervention during the experience itself it's afterwards that mm-hmm. that community and that support is really crucial mm-hmm. you know so there's a narrative that's being formed around psychedelics right now that i think in many ways is still trying to perform that gatekeeper function, you have to come to me, you have to pay these fees, this is how it works. And that is not how it has to work. That's, I don't even believe that's how it's supposed to work. I look, um, we're already seeing it. And the more we have these community supported models where it's equal people, people on equal, you know, level, level ground coming together having their experiences and and showing up for each other when it's needed, but ultimately everybody having their own very private. It's like I, that uh, LSD trip I did recently. <laughs> like, like there was no way that I could tell the individual who I was with, what I was experiencing. Nothing. It was solely personally for me. So that's the empowerment that I want to bring into this Is is, you know, Individual opportunity to explore their relationship with the mystery without someone telling it, them what it is.
0: Yeah, it's like you're saying, so vastly different for each person and each communion with mm-hmm. the mushroom. Mm-hmm. Each time we partake in that, it's like what yeah, <laughs> that was different. Didn't
1: see, before. didn't see that coming. Or yeah.
0: sometimes it's this similar. It's pretty similar, but um, if I had. Something like this, if I had a program like this, like this type of program that we were putting out there to our members, a minister program, with a group of people that was eager to experience consciousness in like a whole new way with each other in an intentional way, if I would have had that 10, 12 years ago, for the accessible rate that we're offering now like I can't imagine I would pass that up honestly like paying for the certifications that I paid for Mm -hmm. and friggin' I mean let's not even talk about my college degree how much that cost me (laughs) but I mean that's it just feels kind of like a no-brainer for me personally because i was craving so hard i i felt so alone like i had people that i knew that were messing around with psychedelics but it was in more of a spirit of like let's party and like experience an altered state and move on with our lives and not talk about it uh which you know whatever that's fine if that's what you're going through But I really wanted an intentional, like, let's dig in. I want people to hold me accountable. I want to do that for other people. I want to hold space. I want to, like, figure out how to do that. And nobody I knew except for until I met you was doing that. And then how many years was it till I met somebody that was even interested in doing that uh, as well? So to think of getting together with, like, Fifty to one hundred other people. Oh my gosh, it sounds so dreamy. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, no, that's that's a that is a certain goal. Um, to see us having fifty to hundred or more people coming together and dosing in mass, you know, at a at a manageable level. Not, not
0: and not, not even not just dosing. When I'm talking about like just hopping on a like having a weekly like just putting myself back in that place that mm. I was in. As a twenty-two-year-old woman who, like, was ready to explore and felt like what I wanted to explore, I was the only one who, like, everybody I talked with about it was like, okay. "Well, and we we'll
1: still hear that in our community, and like, we're st- and
0: yeah. it's still that's still where where we're at." I mean, it's different. We're still we're in a much more accepting place mm-hmm. to even mention psychedelics now versus just ten years ago, but. Like when I, putting myself back to when I decided to get a wellness coaching certification, that was the closest I could come to at that time that I could find to a group of open-minded people who were curious, deeply curious, authentically about other people and their experience without some type of like prescription or back of the mind, like I'm going to tell you what to do as soon as you finish talking type of way. Like I wanted to learn how to hold space for people and myself without telling them what to do. Mm I knew that 12 years ago.
1: Well, you know what's going to be funny? that we're, we're going to see, I'm sure of it, is we're going to see so many people spending $10,000 to train to be a facilitator, and they're going to find out that it is not for them. You know, we've, we saw that a lot in Jamaica, therapists who went through CIIS and other programs, IPI and stuff, and they came down and they'd be like, You know this is way harder than I thought this is not what I thought it was and so I think it's really wonderful that we're kind of offering a more a softer approach so people can you know invest minimally get in there and find out is this even what I want to be doing for other people or to what extent do I want to do this for other people um because it's it's going to, not only is there going to be a bottleneck of tons of people who are getting certified as facilitators, and there's, you know, not giving enough treatment centers for them to operate in, but they're going to find out that it is very different than how it's taught in the classroom, you know.
0: Right. It's, man, it's such a fascinating landscape right now. Mm-hmm. like, if you think about, because that's a similar model, the, like, Going through a ten to fifteen thousand dollar training program to figure out if you like something as <laughs> university mm-hmm. as like the paradigm that we're waking up to that's like not serving us anymore.
1: We're applying old models to the psychedelic. I know. I know. It's yeah, it's like of, my
0: generation is yeah. definitely telling their kids, like, probably good that you don't go to college.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> that's probably a really wise choice right now. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's. Uh, it's a whole different, like, this is a whole different paradigm that we're entering into. And so there's like, there's that aspect of it. Um, and then there's the fact that it's been illegal. Like this p- specific thing that we're teaching institutions are teaching professionals to do right now, these professionals can't get the experience <laughs> in that profession. It's unlike, and it's unlike even say going to school to be a doctor because most of us have, seen doctor we've been seen and treated Mm -hmm. by doctors our whole life so we at least have that experience of being on the other side Mm -hmm. of it uh or like (laughs) a nutritionist or a personal trainer or whatever it is Mm -hmm. it's like usually if we're choosing to go that route we've at least experienced that route enough times to be interested in investing like $30,000 plus all this energy into it. But now it's like these people, many people are like, I don't know. Like it's been illegal. So I can't legally participate to even know if the experience is for me. And so the additional protection that like this, this route offers people to at least get the (laughs) firsthand experience like themselves.
1: Yeah. I wonder if, uh, um, you know, CIS or any of the programs in Oregon have a protocol for when old men try to give themselves blowjobs. I would
0: say if if anybody listening who's at CIS does not have that protocol here's what to do when <sighs> Come to think of it, that's not technically in our operations guidelines right now, but <laughs> There's too many, like, <laughs> there's too many weird things that have happened hey, and will happen, our, but every our, single one.
1: Well, we, we train to trust the process unless there is physical harm, you know, threatened, so I continue to trust that process and allow for that. My <laughs> well, mind wants to go through a list of all the... Weird shit that I've seen that would probably not be taught in any of these classes. If you're Uh, interested in that, (laughs) go ahead and
0: sign up for the minister program, where Eric provides anecdotal stories of many sorts.
1: (laughs) I will be telling lots of stories of weird stuff. um, Without mentioning
0: any names. Of course not. Of course. Of
1: course. course. But, you know, some... I mean, and that's beautiful healing. That individual, uh, I laugh about it, but uh, he had powerful healing and I know that there are, we've talked about this already the you know a porn addiction and whatnot that is a is prevalent in our society and to my understanding you know I spoke with him up to two years after that and he had not no longer had that 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 problem so
0: yeah it was really
1: sorry to cut you no, off No, it's okay I was just it was just really wonderful to be able to be in that position to to be there for him while he worked through his stuff you know mm-hmm
0: yeah, for we had sure. Move, we had
1: to move everybody else away. <laughs> right, of course.
0: That is in the training specifically. <laughs> just generally, when people get when really, um, really out there, how to manage the group
1: around them. Um, I just, I just love the uh, the idea of what this is all become going to become. It's not only going to drastically shape, reshape this, you know, in process uh, of forming psychedelic culture, but we have an opportunity to drastically shift what it means to be a member of an organized religion Mm -hmm. that has had so much baggage associated with it.
0: I want so badly for our grandchildren to, like to really want to talk to us about things, ideas that are outside the box, like not like maybe stigmatized ideas and feel like like this is something I want to bring to my grandma and my granddad. Yeah, right? because they'll encourage me to like help work this out like
1: no, I, go ahead, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I just I don't that's something that I've wanted so bad in my life is to feel like the people that have helped raise me, like my parents are really accepting um and open to lots of things and but my grandparents have not been uh for the most part as sweet and loving of people as they are um they're they've been you know kind of paralyzed by their religious beliefs uh, in a lot of ways. And it's made it really hard to talk with them about my own ideas. And yeah, I just, I want the opposite for our generations. For sure. Everybody, really. For sure. That's what yeah. I imagine the world being. I mean, even think about,
1: point. like you brought it up in the, earlier in the conversation, if you go to a minister, typical minister, and you tell them, Whatever your sins, you know, we had con- confession. We had to go in the box and face to face with a priest and tell him how many times we diddled ourselves that month or whatever, you know, all that stuff. Like, I want to see a world where you come to a minister or a religious leader or a spiritual leader, however you want to term it, and you tell that person whatever it is, and they're just like, okay. You know, I mean, I had... Yeah, God, it's kind I, of like
0: setting I, yourself up for coming to concess, confess, confess for the things you've done wrong is like going ahead and... When the whole thing, <laughs> like the, the whole
1: thing with Jesus is that, you know, Jesus didn't recognize sins, what the the Bible says, you know? And so like the behavior that is so antithetical to the teachings, um, I think it's is something else that it just has to, overall, we need to see an end. To that you know, I'm, I'm thinking right now, particularly of, a, of an individual in our church who, um, during a mushroom service, you know, told me something. I, I mean, it, it was the most personal. I couldn't. Believe, I was so honored, honestly, that this person would share this information with me. That would have been categorically condemned I mean it wasn't like a m- murder or anything like that, but um it was kind of a, a personal uh, issue that they that they had behavior that they had engaged in that was you know uh, for all intents and purposes would have been very shameful um would have been condemned and to be able to look that person in the eyes and say you don't have anything to be sorry for and mean it because this person was a child was so young and this weight that they had carried around for probably 20 plus years at that point that they felt like was so bad and all it was was a a, a deep need for affection and connection. Mm-hmm. and And so to be able to just wipe that away, and you know, we talked a little bit before this recording about, you know, how, I forgot how you worded it, but basically we were saying something like, how how would someone gauge whether or not they could trust a psychedelic minister, and that's a really important thing to bring up, and because there will be so many kinds of people that see this as an easy avenue, and... Ultimately it should be and ultimately everyone is personally accountable and responsible for the choices that they make and the communities they engage with. But you know, how what what kind of tools can we give to our listeners so that they can have a greater level of awareness that they're actually, you know, putting themselves under the care of someone who is Authentic and sincere and compassionate and not just, you know, trying to rope in more followers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say listen to your intuition. Listen to your gut, like your gut feeling Mm -hmm. and try and pay attention to the difference between your head telling you what you should feel versus the actual feeling that you feel about someone really whoever it is, but particularly when you're putting yourself in a really vulnerable situation with someone um, that you don't know super well and like ask questions, ask a lot of questions. I mean, that's a big reason why we do this podcast is to put ourselves out there as authentically as we can and help people get to know us mm-hmm. and Oftentimes that takes, like, I mean, people come to Sanctuary all the time and they say, like, I've just binged on, like, 15 of your podcast episodes and that's why I'm here. Like, I was very skeptical and then I found the podcast and listened to you all and I just, like, couldn't say no to myself in Mm -hmm. this. And, like, that's the feeling that I want for everybody when you're working with whoever it is any kind of professional person or like getting into any kind of relationship with somebody like mm-hmm. that feeling of, yeah, yeah, that's what I, when just like when you're thinking about it and wanting, wanting it and it's undeniable versus like, this is something I should do. I think, mm-hmm. I think I should do this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't want that for anybody. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Asking a lot of questions and just, being patient and listening to the responses and listening your yourself. Mm -hmm. How do you feel with the response? Even if you don't know a lot about the particular category of person, like in this instance, we're talking about psychedelic professionals say, you know, really nothing about psychedelics, Mm -hmm. but you know a lot about yourself Mm -hmm. and you know a lot about the relationships you've been in, in the past and people that you've dealt with. Um, that's and so even if you like as you're finding questions come up and you're asking them and the topic is foreign, you'll still be able to feel from somebody like the energy coming through them. Even if you can't logically gauge if like the answer is right or wrong, like it'll feel a certain
1: way. Mm-hmm. That's so, such a good point because in this work particularly, it's easy for uh, in an academic, intellectual sense, for someone to pass off, uh, you know, a semblance of deep knowledge, like oh, they really know psychedelics because they can tell me all the research, and I don't know anything about psychedelics, and they've clearly mm-hmm. done their research. But yeah, what's the feeling? What's the underlying feeling? Because this is energy. It's all. I mean, all of it is. But particularly working with psychedelics, you're going to be going to be exposing yourself to the energetic field of others and opening your field up to others for access. So it, yeah, it's really, really, which is another reason I think that these minister trainings have a lot of value is because you can practice with by yourself in the safety of your own home or with people that you trust. You don't have to go and expose, you know, your deepest self to strangers immediately. You can get a little more comfortable with that, you know, weirdness that exploration that unknown and Mm -hmm. then start to move more into uh, communities that maybe you're not as familiar with Mm -hmm. i wish i would have thought about that years ago if i would have known the power of my intuition (laughs) it's a practice sure is yeah
0: i love that we're um i feel like as as a large entity of people being right now we're moving into the space of like extreme sensitivity to bullshit i
1: think so i think so with
0: all the advertising that we're just bombarded we've been bombarded with it's like Mm. we're just desperate for authentic people and Mm. experiences like all right Yeah, sure. I've been told that a hundred times by somebody who told me they knew what they were talking about and should have known what they were talking about according to everything that was on paper. And yet Mm -hmm. I still got totally fucked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I feel like we're getting, we're like coming into this waking up period,
1: um, around authenticity and like feeling. I think you're right. Well, I think in particular politics is showing that to us, you know, we have been kind of fed this Two party system for so long, and it has got to be coming painfully clear to the majority of the population that neither one of these sides are on our side. Now, there's good people in each whatever. Every church has good priests, every political designation has, you know, well intended public servants. Every police force has good police men and women on staff, so you know you don't want to i can't overly generalize, but I think we are seeing society wide that um, we've been used against ourselves you know they've the from advertising, social media, politics, news education. In so many religion, in so many spheres, the kind of natural instinct, the natural inclinations of humans towards tribalism, towards connectivity, um, towards ethical behavior, has in ways been weaponized and turned against us. So personally, big part of my ambition with sanctuary is to put that power back into the hands of the individual. The organization should stand as a protective umbrella. It should stand as a resource for community and individuals. But as far as you know, an individual's personal belief system, and their personal spiritual practice that is an entirely an internal process and mm-hmm. so i love i love so much what we're doing not just for psychedelics but for the religious community mm-hmm. overall
0: yeah me too the number of people on discovery calls that come in and when it comes time to share like what do you hope to gain out of participating with sanctuary, being a member. It's like 60, 70% of the time people say, I have been afraid to explore what my like spirituality, what that means for me. For I mean, sometimes it's like since they were a child, or in the last 10 years or or however long it's been, because of being so hurt by religion and it is such an honor to feel like people feel safe enough to come in to this space mm-hmm. that us and so many other people have helped us cultivate with Sanctuary to explore that again and just like start asking questions and like feeling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. feeling that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, Big energy it, it just it thinks to it. For me, what comes up and where I feel like in you know many ways we stand apart and and gratefully so is in our ability as a community to hold space for any conversation. I don't, I don't, I don't care what it is. I want people to be able to to just share where they're at on any given topic. It's just a conversation. That's all it is. Your ideology is not threatened. Your lifestyle is not threatened. Someone is just trying to work through their process. So, for me particularly, sexuality was such a major, majorly stigmatized topic that was so important to me on a physical level, but little did I know how important it was to me on a spiritual level. Anyway, so there's just so many things that we can provide for communities that are so different than traditional religions and will help to break down that stigma and stereotype. I mean
0: gosh, yeah, that was like having a member on the Discovery Call today say that she was she enjoyed pole dancing and like
1: And to you allow like, her to be a member of our church <laughs>
0: I'm like yes. I love that you felt like you could share that here. Mm-hmm. Like that is so cool. I would love to have more like conscious sex conversations because it is like it is kind of why we're all here. It's <laughs> important. Hello. Uh, so many things I'm looking forward to. Well, you
1: haven't you haven't seen it in the manual that I've uh, been creating. I don't think yet, but uh, in. Um so in the self care in the chapter on self care uh i did actually include a small blurb around you know sexuality as a part of self care uh, you know and so i think uh, it's just so important and we talk about all aspects of our lives even you know like this whole like in america we've had this thing of don't talk about politics and religion like i just always want to say fuck that fuck you and fuck that like this the, these are two of the most important aspects of our lives they impact every corner of our existence Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to tell me that i'm not supposed to talk about this because someone may have a differing view well
0: i understand that to a large degree because it's the way that we talk about things Mm -hmm. and that's like you know coming back to so
1: don't talk about politics and religion from a judgmental accusatory closed-minded mindset let's talk about politics and religion but let's talk about it from a curious open-minded perspective.
0: Right. And like in helping people see that that is an option cuz i mm-hmm. coming from that perspective of like curiosity and compassion towards other people, like i mentioned my grandparents earlier and i mentioned that i want our grandchildren to be able to come to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, as their grandparents and ask us questions and stuff. And I also want that for us. I want us to feel like as grandparents, and I want that for my grandparents. I would Mm -hmm. love for them to feel like this expansiveness that comes with letting go of preconceived notions and um, judgments that aren't really serving us anymore. Like letting go of that and that experience is so amazing and freeing. And so it's for everybody, and it's it it it's gonna take us all working together, and and like breathing through a lot of things, and helping to teach each other how to do these things. Because I I really do believe that if we all knew, if we knew how to engage peacefully and cu- with curiosity and conversation, we would be doing it. I think it's mm-hmm. it's that we most of us just have no idea. We weren't taught. We didn't have an example of of that. We had no communication Mm -hmm. training and or example set. And so that's like one of my biggest personal missions with Sanctuary and like our circles online in person, all the events that we have is like setting that example and a framework Mm -hmm. to be able to to know how to do that because it takes a lot of practice when we're programmed deeply mm-hmm. our nervous system is just like yeah. so tuned to just reacting it is it's a muscle mm-hmm. that it takes strengthening and practice to learn how to relax mm-hmm. our nervous system and just be with feelings that come up so i have lots of compassion for people that Get super triggered about politics For sure. and launch off into like lots of not so kind things. It makes cause... me wonder
1: if we should have a uh like a political discourse workshop.
0: Yeah, I think that would be really good.
1: I'd love leading that, I think.
0: God, I think that's something that probably people would be so like relieved (laughs) to experience something like that. How do I do this?
1: It's an incredible service to offer the community, you know, because then you can then take that and apply that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're doing something that is way bigger than we are able to comprehend. Definitely, and we talk about it. Like we see how big it is, but every time we talk about it in more depth, it's like, oh no, we're we're just scratching the surface. Totally. Yeah,
0: no. we've already like this. We and this, the people involved in this, it's like made such a big impact. On, I mean, I could name like probably thirty people off the top of my head that like I've seen make such positive shifts in themselves and their lives in the past year or two mm-hmm. since like stepping into community intentionally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with Sanctuary. So yeah, it's really wonderful.
1: A thousand ministers, we want to ordain a thousand ministers this year. We will. I want to see a thousand people. In the United States, who are expressing and embodying their psychedelic sovereignty, be their own minister. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Sounds awesome. Sounds really awesome.
0: Can't wait for more conversations like this.
1: Well, probably won't wait long.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That'll be in a couple of days.
1: <laughs> Thanks right. for
0: listening, y'all. Thank
1: you all so much for listening. And, uh, you feel so inclined, come and join us for a Sunday service. It's open to everyone on Zoom. The access is uh, on the um what the homepage of mm-hmm. Sanctuary.
0: Sanctuary.org. It's with, all there.
1: Yep. Sanctuary with a P. If
0: it you want to. Not P Sanctuary. It's not the sanctuary. Way. It's just sanctuary, like psilocybin, like psychology, you know, sanctuary.
1: Yeah. So weird to me that <laughs> I told you it was going to You happen. called it. Like, You're right. You're right. <laughs>
0: Just sanctuary.org. <laughs> it's all there.
1: Till next time.